Are we gonna record this episode? I just hit record, so we might as well try. Um, I have an announcement to make. What's your announcement? One, last week sucked. Last week was so busy. I overbooked myself. Why did I do that to myself? But I really don't appreciate coming here being threatened with a screwdriver. (laughs) What is that? Matt and Quinn's mom came over to my house while I wasn't there to murder me. I'm just kidding. No, they came over to fix a screen because, which was really, really nice. And Matt apparently had borrowed a screwdriver and he was like, hey, Carrie, I borrowed a screwdriver from your building. Can you bring it back? Fine. He had told me about it. This is great. I open where we keep our microphones and I see a screwdriver with a note wrapped around it that says, <laughs> what does the note say? Carrie, please take this home with you. Thank you. It feels a little bit. It's a screwdriver. That seems it, unnecessary. Why the, why the, the manager? Note? And then he says the management. This feels like, yes, he signed it, the management. Carrie, Wait, take this home with the you. Management. Thank you. The management. My mom wrote that, I'm sure. Is this sure. her handwriting? Unclear. Get closer look. We need a, this is our, um, Quinn is our resident, our handwriting, ex- handwriting expert. Handwriting <laughs> analysis expert. This, it looks like Matt's. You're right, it does look like Matt's handwriting. And I think he was being funny with the management, but does that not look like a threat? Yes. Griffin even agrees. Yeah. Do you ask him to close the door? Yep. That's what I just did. <laughs> Here's How the did thing is know? I'm so in sync. I got, I get it. I just know immediately. You're so in sync. That's weird. I'm so 98 Everybody. degrees. That's Backstreet Boys, though. I, is it? I messed it up. Backstreet's back. All right. What? Carrie and Quinn are back. All right. <laughs> it's tearing up my heart. Can I tell you something crazy? <gasps> yes. So I'm on Instagram. Brag about it. No brags. Definitely you posted on the Instagram. cutest picture of Griffin. Oh, by the way, while, seen... I'm, while I'm talking about Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Well, not just that. I kind of want to say something weird, which is that I think when we first started this podcast, a couple strangers might have tried to follow me on Instagram because they liked the podcast. I didn't realize that was what was going on. So I was like, decline, decline. Because <laughs> I was like, who are you? <laughs> and now I realized that that might be happening and I've started accepting those follows. Here's the thing. Those now people I feel that bad got away. About those early on people the that early, got declined. It just never occurred to me that a stranger would want to know what I'm up to. There were early adopters that you've shunned. Do you think Matt's trying to see how loud he can be? I think it's a fun experiment for him. Matt? Matt? Yeah. Um, could you shut the second door? Just exactly so great we're picking up so much of you and the baby it's and really... alexa and frankly alexa and the whole the whole gang the whole gang. The gang's all here <laughs> bye Matt. Oh, do you think he was pissed <laughs> do you think he was upset um um do you think he's jealous that we get to have this time recording always always <laughs> but he gets to have this time with his children and how beautiful is that it's so gorgeous Do you know it's a pet peeve of mine? And I think we've talked about this. When people say, like, when they're, like, their husbands are watching their kids or, like, babysitting. Right. Isn't that the worst? Okay, sorry. What were you saying? You were saying. Instagram. Here's what I want to tell you. 
I'm on Instagram. I see a friends of a friends. Oh, okay. Someone I used to be friends with when they lived in the city that has since moved and we didn't like keep track of each other. She was a friend of a friend. So we were the level of friendship where we hung out a lot. We even went on a bachelorette party trip together years ago. But we've never like just had coffee, the two of us, that level of friend. Yes. I would say acquaintance plus. Sure. Um, Definitely like her. She posts on Instagram and her stories Anybody want to cat sit for me for a week in Maine? I've never been to Maine in my life. I love Maine. I love Maine. I wrote her very casually and was like, would love to. Never been to Maine. What's the house like? LOL. Like something very noncommittal. And she's like, well, it's a four bedroom, two and a half bath house with a yard. It's by the beach. And I'm like, hold up. Could you send me some uh, pics? And she's like, I'll send you the Zillow listing because I'm at work. I don't have pics. This is the house. So I go through the Zillow listing, which going looking at anything on Airbnb and Zillow is my favorite thing to do anyway. So right. I'm like, it's why a, wouldn't I take the course. time right now to do also, this? Also, it's a link. Relax. You're not like sacrificing time. You're breastfeeding your kid. Looking I'm ignoring at my kids, looking at Zillow. Why wouldn't you? That's what I do every day. You need some time. So I did it. And I'm like, holy shit. This is like right in on a cute main street, right by the beach. There's all these kid-friendly beaches around there. Not that there's a lot of kid-unfriendly beaches. Yeah, Maine is notoriously known for the kid-unfriendly beaches. (laughs) But there's, like, one that has a fun boardwalk and, like, Coney Island vibes. Most importantly, there's lobster rolls near and around There's lobster rolls Mm -hmm. everywhere, all over your face. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'll cat sit for you, is what (gasps) I said. When is she asking for it? In two weeks. Can I come? Yes. That was the next part. <laughs> the next part was, will you come to Maine? Let's go. I'm a little allergic to cats. I don't care. <laughs> You'll come, really? Hell yes. Oh my God. We're doing a first tour with nobody watching. <laughs> <laughs> no one in the world is watching. Wait, no one in the, the world, world is watching. watching. Wait. I mean, it feels impulsive, but does it? That was just no. it. I was like, she wrote me and was like, this is crazy. You're really coming? And I'm like, I just bought us tickets. And she's like, I posted this on an Instagram story. And 10 minutes later, <laughs> we haven't seen each other in years and you're coming. And I'm like, I'm coming. <gasps> and also, I got you the perfect tools. The to bring with us. We'd have to check those. I don't think we can bring them on the plane. No, I think we're going to have to leave them here. They're weapons. I uh, I had been flirting with the idea of giving Quinn and Matt marshmallow skewers. And then I just pulled the trigger. I ordered them. Surprise. They're color-coded. They extend to be as long or short as a fire might require. They're incredible. <laughs> it's one of the best gifts I've ever received in my life. Really. I mean, it's a good gift. Also, here's what it is. It was because Matt was always like, just find a stick in our backyard. And I'm down for finding sticks on like woods, but I feel like Brooklyn sticks, you don't know where they've been. They've definitely been peed on. They've been places. You can trick Koa into lighting things on fire by like doing vegetables. You know what I mean? Mm. Have you ever thought about that? I don't think, I think that's... roasting his own veggies over a fire? No. That sounds so cruel. Could you imagine if a kid's like, I want to roast something, you're like, here's a bell pepper. Yeah. (laughs) Seems really harsh. That seems so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Oh, do you want to know? Say? Here's the problem. So it's cat sitting, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking to Koa and I was like, hey, this is going to be so awesome. Um, we're going to go stay at this house we've never been to. And we have a little job to do while we're there. We have to babysit these cats. Do you know what he said? Hmm. 
oh, mama, I'm a bad guy and I like to hurt cats. <gasps> what the fuck was I supposed to say? I, oh, no, Quinn. I shut down completely. Oh, no. I fight, flight, or flew, whatever it is. I froze. Fight, flight, you froze. I froze. You chose the freezing option. Matt flew in with a quick response, which was basically, that's not funny. We don't think it's funny to joke about that or be serious about that. Da, that's da, 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 very da. good. But I was like, I can't tell what is going on like are you a killer i can't tell he's three and i he's experimenting constantly with narratives where he's a bad guy and he says mean things that are dark as hell all the time like he says really mean things here's the truth of it in practice in actual life you know this all he does is like if you're if he doesn't know you're watching him and you peek from the other room He's, like, tickling his brother, petting him, trying to make him laugh. All he does is be so, so sweet to him. He loves a joke. He's so sweet to other kids. He's really kind, but verbally he is saying terrifying things, and I'm 100% have no fucking clue what I'm supposed to to say back. And, like, here's the issue. I get (sighs) that I'm, like, supposed to shut it down and be like, you never say that, or... Uh, we, you know, da, 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 or, what, or ask questions like, why would you say that? These are things I'm comfortable doing. But I guess my question is, I don't know how much attention to give it because I also don't want him to have this feeling that it's provocative to do and gets him a bunch of attention because then I worry he would do it more. I guess like I totally. get that he's testing but I don't understand how to pass the test. You also want to make sure, though, that if he's having these thoughts, like, and I, I, I doubt that they're, I Murder think they're thoughts. just, yeah, I, I also doubt that they're torturing of, animals. Oh my God, that's fucking so scary, Quinn. We do a podcast about this. I don't want to cover Koa. I'm going to be quite <laughs> honest. I don't want to do it. Um, but again, I will if it has to. Okay, I'll just say I will if it needs to be done. Yeah, I think it would be too close for comfort it for me to cover that story. But also, you want to make sure that, like, if he is having those thoughts, that there is an open line of communication where, like, there... Because the thing is, is, he's also three. Like, he's not able to reason. He doesn't know consequences. Like, um, I listened to for Fresh Air ages ago, and it was about a child psychologist, and it dealt with um, addiction and youth. And it talked about the part of your brain that isn't fully formed until you're 25. And it was talking about drug use in your teens and alcoholism and, um, and, and harder drugs, right? And it, it touched upon children being painfully present. And, and that stayed with me, this like idea of painful presence. Or when you leave the house, a kid thinks you're never coming back, right? Like they're painfully present where they can't look in the future. I don't think Koa thinks we're never coming back when of we leave the house. Of course not. He's learned. He's older. Maybe Griff like, does. Totally. But like the part of the brain that doesn't totally understand consequence. He is a sociopath right now is what I'm hearing. No, I am hearing that three-year-olds yeah. may just be That he doesn't sociopaths. understand. I mean, why do you think Coab for like, be like, Mama, you're going to die? And you're like, uh, yeah, eventually. Mm. And he's like, you're going to die before me. Like, he'll say that. I think he's just like piecing these things together. I also feel like he doesn't understand consequence, which is like, the podcast why I went off that, that tangent about addiction is like 
young kids don't understand consequence, which is why kids do reckless things, which is why kids break the rules and, you know, all that stuff, because they don't, they don't see, they don't have the foresight to see what could possibly happen or the negative things that could happen. Yeah. Curious? This is a really crazy thing to say, but I've been blame. I mean, obviously I've been blaming myself. Um, <laughs> no. Because, well, here's what I did that I'm now really second guessing. I think I got too excited to show him like fun movies and we showed him some Pixar movies. And I think that Pixar, for a three-year-old, it's like too much. And he should be full on, when he has screen time, PBS kids. For a reason. Which is like Daniel Tiger, right. uh, Sesame Street, all those things. Dinosaur tra- If something bad happens, if they're up against adversity, it's something really benign like we lost our ball. There's no quote bad guys when you start watching pixar there are villains right there are people like okay like in toy story there's like lotso the bear and it's like this person is bad because something bad happened to them and it made them do sad so now they are doing bad things and we had talked about that but he's so into now experimenting with narratives of I'm cast as the bad guy and what would a bad guy do or say? Right. And I don't think he would be as obsessed with that if he didn't have a frame of reference, which I'm the person that gave him that frame of reference. I don't know. I mean, have you looked up what an age, how, what their age listing is? I don't think he should be watching stuff with bad guys. And he's got to stop listening to the podcast. I was no, just like, kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't have you have him watch Scream. I think that was a little too early. <laughs> Shut up. I just my two cents, Quinn. You I just think that was a little. Early. Speaking of scream, let me get into my story. By the way, here. you're listening to truly darkly briefly. I'm Quinn Lepasner, and I'm Carrie Ipema, and I can't believe it's eleven in the morning. I can't believe I got here. I woke up. Quinn's like, "When are you coming?" I was like, "Just woke up. I'll be there when I'm there." When you texted that, I turned to Matt and I said, "Do you remember sleeping until nine? Like, I know. I felt like it was and kind of like, cruel. He's like, "No," and I was like, "It. It's like." My brain goes, wow, Carrie must have had a crazy night. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, we're telling the story now. We're going to, come on, like, give give the people what they came for. Which one should I do? I don't know. This isn't about you right I now. I know, but I'm just, like, deciding which one I should do when you're, okay, your turn. Continue. I got my information from visitatchison.com, thesallyhouse.com, and onlyinyourstate.com. Carrie? It's a haunting. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're in Atchison. But the story is in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This has been called not only Can I the just most ask, haunted. Did you write that joke or did you just say it? Just said it. But did you plan to say it? Yes. Okay. Knew it. Yeah. Called it. Don't call me out on planning my jokes. Too late. um so this house i did write this down also most of my notes are written down Mm -hmm. um this has not only been called the most haunted house in kansas but in the entire country whoa that's super haunted tony and deborah are a young couple they recently got married and they're gonna have a baby in june of 93 Tony came from a large family. He's got a Catholic background. He's lived his whole life in Atchison, Kansas. Debbie, she got brought up also by Catholics. She's born in 
Buffalo. They're like, we got to get a cute little house to start this little fam. And they find just what the doctor ordered at 933 North 2nd Street. The house is totally perfect for them. Um, for some reason, I wrote down its stats. I, maybe I'm on Zillow too much. I'm like, ah, three bedrooms, one and a half bath, large yard, spacious kitchen. One and a half that is bath important. for their big family, though? Tough. They, big family. She's pregnant. Yeah, big but family, one and a half there's bathroom. There's three. For th- I don't know. No, you're right. You always need two bathrooms. I only have one, but it's just me. Yeah, and you wish you had a second. I wish I... Listen, in New York, you're lucky if you have a one. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky if you have one bathroom. I want two baths. Do you know what I wrote down about their house? Hmm. Completely carpeted. <gasps> oh, that is noteworthy. Yeah. Any hardwood under there? Carpeted. Tough, man. Really tough. They move in on New Year's Eve, 1992. So she's still pregnant. Right when they move in, though, things get weird. First, they have like a pretty quiet dog who starts barking. They can't figure out why. Then their cats do this really weird thing where they follow stuff with their eyes, but like things are going over their heads. Hmm. They hear dings like their microwave is done when they Mm -hmm. weren't heating anything in the microwave. It'll just be like, ding. Their lights are dimming, but there's no dimmers. Tony at one point makes even a joke to Deborah and is like, "Eh, we must have a ghost. Careful, Tony. The nursery they're setting up. Definitely seems off um okay so they have a cordless phone cool right it's the 90s <laughs> it's 90s that's pretty progressive that's pretty uh but if they walk advanced. around the house like that's like a dead zone it just doesn't work in the nursery also Ooh. they have electronic musical toys in there that of course go, go off, off on their own Ooh. and this is what i wrote this is so crazy they emit sounds hums and even distant sounding voices. Hold the cordless phone. That seems really extra. Like if your toy distant has... voices. It's intense, oh, right? No, that's extreme. Don't love that for them. Do not love that for them. <sighs> they haven't even had the baby yet. Okay, so then they have the baby. This part <laughs> totally killed me when I read this, Deborah. I, a lot of what I read is on a site that she did the writing for, mm-hmm. um, the Sally House site. And she's like, the baby would wake every night hourly, even if the baby had just been changed or just eaten. And I was laughing so hard because I was like, okay, Deborah, like, that's also just what happens right after you have a baby. One hundred percent. You don't need to listen. You don't need to add more. We get it. But like, I was like, distant voices, dead zone. We're fine. No, it's I, enough. But I also like felt for her because it does feel like after you have a baby, you would be like, I'm haunted. My life is haunted. Because having a baby is really hard. And they do wake up constantly in a way where you're pretty convinced something's wrong. It can't be normal. Like you're Googling, is, is this, this normal? normal? Constantly. And you're only Googling that sentence. Is, is this, this normal? normal? And, you, and you have periods in between the spaces because your thumb is messed up. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, is this normal? Um, is this normal? I can't figure out how to use a phone. So... To her credit, there are weird things that happen in the house. That, to me, maybe wasn't one of them. Um, One day she's talking with her neighbors, and they're like, why do you keep the baby's light on at night in the nursery? (gasps) No. And she's like, what? 
And they're like, we see it on at all hours. The baby had been sleeping with them in their room, obviously, in a bassinet. So they're like, we don't even go in there at night. Then they start to find weird mold on things. Um, eh, I'm 50-50 on that. The things they listed as having mold were magnets on their fridge. Gross. Wait, maggots on their fridge? Magnets. Not maggots. Oh, my God. <laughs> I heard maggots on the fridge, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold Gross. the fucking phone. That's disgusting. On it, not in it? Why? Well, this is what they listed as having mold, which I thought was funny. Magnets on the fridge. Thank weird. You. Gross. A dog food bowl they had just cleaned. Maybe you didn't do that good a job. Tupperware. We've all been there. So I was like, well. I, listen, the fact that it's been labeled the most haunted house. and I'm, I'm So gonna... far, you're not convinced. The distant voices, dead zone, fair. fair. You have a newborn and you need a cleaning lady. And you forgot the light. At. You forgot to turn off the light. Totally. So they're really tired because of the baby waking up every hour. <laughs> Debbie's sister is like, I'll fly out and help you for a few days so you can get some rest. So she comes to town. It's great. They get some sleep. They all go to Tony's folks' house one night. The sister's there, too. His sister, not hers. Tony's sister goes, um, you guys, I feel really weird. I have to tell you something. And they're like, what? And she's like, you know that high chair I said you could have for the baby? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, well, I went to bring it the other day, and you weren't home, and I just let myself in. And I went upstairs to look at the nursery because I just wanted to see how it turned out. I'm really sorry I did that. And she's acting weird but they're like um that's okay like we don't care no big deal then they get home tony goes upstairs to the nursery and calls down why did you put all the baby taylor's toys on the floor debbie's like what so she comes upstairs so does her sister karen the three of them walk into the nursery and all the toys are in a circle on the floor Facing each other. So like a like a furry little conga line, you know? Like they're all yeah. facing each other. Uh-huh. And they're like, this someone's joking around with us. This is so weird. So they call the sister because the sister had said she had been over, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, did you do this weird thing with the toys? And she's like, no. But when I went into the nursery, I got a really, really freaked out feeling. And like a panic attack feeling and left. And that's why she had been acting so weird when she talked about going in there without their permission. Is She just felt weird. So they put all the animals back where they go. Debbie has like, since the baby's not baby age where it's playing with mm-hmm. anything, it's set up kind of like just cute and pretty in there. So right. she knows like where everything goes. Everything has a place. They put everything back. They organize it. And then they start to go down the stairs. They go down the stairs. One of them turns around and notices the light go on in the nursery. And they're like, oh, shit, the light just went on. They all run back in and there's a bear back in the middle of the floor. (gasps) They are freaked. They're like, what? So they put the bear back and they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what should we do? And they all go downstairs and they try to like chill out and shake it off, shake it off. Like they put on TV. They keep kind of walking back to the bottom of the stairs and looking up. And they're like, yeah, okay, the light's still off. Like they just keep checking kind of. But it stays off. And then Debbie's like, you guys, I have to pee. And they're like, 
Okay, because the bathroom's upstairs. Uh, one uh, bathroom that would have been solved if there was another there was multiple bathrooms. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, I was right. You're you're always right when it comes to <laughs> bathrooms, Carrie. You're always right. Amen. So she, Debbie's like, I have to pee, and they're like, It's fine. It's fine. You're grown up, so you should go alone. <laughs> so she's like, Okay, and so she goes up the stairs, and she's gonna have to walk right by the nursery. She walks by and screams. The bears back in the middle of the floor. They all <sighs> totally lose their minds and they decide they're all going to sleep in a room together. They bring the TV and VCR into the room and are like playing TV, lying in bed all together, being like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> the next day, her sister goes home. I don't know if her flight was planned that way or if she was like, I yeah, I'm getting the by. fuck out. <laughs> Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Tony's brother comes over and it, they like tell him everything that happened last night. They're like, you're not going to believe this. But he, of course, it's daylight. So everything feels different. And right. he's kind of just makes fun of them. And he has a camera. So he goes into the room and starts taking pictures um, and saying things like, oh, ghost, if you're here, do you want to have a picture taken of yourself? The bear's on a shelf when he says that. And they all see it spin around so of course they're like let's get the fuck out of here so they like fucking run out of the house and they go to tony's parents house and they get the baby they're like loading everything <laughs> they left the baby there they, they, they leave the baby it. forget about leave it the baby. leave the baby and run <laughs> so they load everything into the car and then Tony feels something on his back and is like, ow. And he's like, I think a bug bit me. They get to the parents' house because they're like, we don't have time to deal with bugs. And then when they get there, they look and there are three very clear scratch marks on his back. But obviously no one was near him when he felt that pain. They're like, let's call a psychic. They call Psychic Barbara. Psychic Barbara, as you do. And she's like, you guys got to stand your ground. You guys got to reprimand the spirit. I will come back in a few days and check it out. She comes and checks out the house and she's like, I'm picking up a little girl named Sally. Sally is a seven-year-old who has a lot of pain in her tummy and in her hand. She's got a toothache. She's uncomfortable. Um, she's not. She also well. is telling me, Debbie, that you're doing a lot of things that are bugging her. She says you're too bossy. She says there's too many rules in the house. She can't remember all of them. But she's basically like, you guys, she's a kid. Kids need discipline, even ghost kids. So you've got to be like patient, but firm. Good advice, Barbara. Maybe so- something you can apply to your life. Patient but firm. About the, you know, this is for ghosts and also creepy stories Koa tells you. Just, I just, you gave the advice. I think it's important to hear it. You're right. I'm not wrong. What I I do know is I'm not wrong. Patient but firm. I just don't even know how to translate that into an actionable item is the issue. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure I'm going to be tested on it later today. Absolutely. So Debbie is like, we have to address negative behavior from Sally. For instance, if she scratches Tony, we have to talk about it. If she wakes the baby, because now 
poor Sally's getting blamed for waking the baby at night. Sally, that's not on you. Um, the scratch too far, but waking the baby, come on. Yeah, but now the bear, they know. weird. Don't do that, well, Sally. She's just playing with a bear. That seems like it should be allowed, but probably very confusing okay. for her when they freak out and scream. Anyway. And leave her. Sally is like leaving her little mark everywhere. Now that they know she's here, they can see that she's there, which is to say there'll be like a burnt candle in a sconce in the living room and there'll be little fingerprints at the base of the candle that look like burn marks that are child size. There'll be weird pictures they can get. So they'll take pictures and see things like a crayon hovering, standing on paper, like someone's picking it up. They get weird stuff in their photos, orbs, whatever. They buy Sally a baby doll. Oh. Yeah. And so they go to Walmart and get her this doll. And it's one of those ones, you know how they use like the twist tie to keep the doll in place in the box? Mm -hmm. Well, Debbie's like, these would be hard for a kid to work. So I'm going to do this thing where I untwist them, but keep it nice in the box for her. And then I'm going to wrap it and put it in her room. So she wraps it like a gift, puts it in the nursery, which Sally plays in, and they leave it. And every day she'll kind of walk by to just see. And it sort of just sits there and nothing happens for a while. And then a week goes by and one night she sees the doll is in the crib in the nursery. But the box is still wrapped. What? Isn't that weird? Oh. Ugh. Can't totally Ugh. wrap my mind around that. No, because I'm always like, I like, I'm a skeptic. I like to poke the holes. I can't find a hole. But well, there must have been a hole because somehow that doll got out. Somehow that doll got out. <laughs> so okay, Halloween, 1993. Tony fucking sees Sally. He's in the kitchen. He gets a glass, and suddenly he turns, and there's a little girl standing there. He drops the glass, and it shatters. And when he looks back up from it shattering, she's gone. She's gone. But he knows it's Sally. Right. Who else would it be? <laughs> who else is who else lives there? It's right, them exactly. two, the baby and Sally. So Christmas. They have a Christmas party and towards the end of the night a doll that they got for somebody as a gift gets suddenly goes up in flames. No. And they're like, "No. That's very scary." And Sally, not cool, not Sally. Okay, Sally. Not cool. So what they do, this is so nice what they do. They get an oil lamp. And they're like, Sally, if you want to talk to us or communicate, you can use this fire. You can use this to talk to us. And they hang things from like little balls from a fan, a ceiling fan. So basically they can tell if Sally's around because she can communicate via the oil lamp or the balls will move on the fan. Okay. Um, And they also get her Christmas presents after that on Christmas. It sounds like she's training them. Definitely. They're being very thoughtful. So she's t- not a great guest. No, because guess what happens next? Tony gets bit by something invisible. Not good. Sally. But guess what Barbara thinks? Weird stuff's coming out in pictures like I told you, and it doesn't feel like it's Sally. Tony's getting bit, and suddenly they're like, maybe Sally's not the only one here. Maybe... Sally is here, and she is a good little seven-year-old girl ghost, but maybe there's some other shit. Then one day they're vacuuming, uh-huh. and they're doing laundry, and the vacuum keeps shutting off, 
over and over and over again while they're vacuuming. And they're like, Sally, stop doing that. And she does. Then later when they go to get their laundry, they had been drying clothes and there's blood all over their clothes. They dried one of their cats. They think Sally was trying to warn them. So she kept shutting off the vacuum so they'd hear the cat or something. Oh, my dad's mom washed one of her cats. Are you kidding me? Just something to be on the lookout for cat sitting, just in general, between me and Did you. the cat live? No. No. You can't live through that. No, the cat just, like, snuck in. It's a warm place to snack. Just, the cat just, like, snuck in while, like, you know, imagine, like, taking laundry. And the cat just, like, like sliding in. That is so horrible. Really awful. Check your dryers, folks. <laughs> Check them. So Taylor's first birthday, she's turning one. And they end up doing whatever that EVP thing. Mm, yeah. And they pick up voices at the birthday. I read a lot about this. Not into it. There's a lot of people at the party already. Really hard to decide who's saying what. So really easy to also be like, did you hear that? Seems like that's a ghost voice. Right. I'm like, well, I didn't really buy this portion the of the story. The kid in the story. next room just being kind of a, you know, was it someone's kid? Well, and they're like, there's disembodied kids' voices saying things. And I'm How like. How can you say it's disembodied if it's all a recording? Aren't all of the voices disembodied? Touche. They get really into it, though. They research the house for many years. They research audio that they get and they decide there's all these other people that live in the house, ghosts that live in the house. Right. I'm, I can't even go through it all, but I'll tell you this much. There's Edith. There's Ethel. There's a couple Franks. There's a couple Toms. There's Sally, of course. There's right. Wanda. There's Ryan. There's Reuben. There's Paul. There's a lot. There's Reuben. There's Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of ghosts in this house. Um Tony gets attacked one night and they're like, there is some sort of demonic presence. It's not just Sally. It like lifted him and threw him backward and damaged a wall. So it's whatever it is, it's mean. It's not nice. It ain't nice. Legend does have it. And this is legend because you'll read everywhere that this is, well, legend. (laughs) Um, A doctor had lived there and... The front of the house had been his exam rooms and his and he lived upstairs with his family. And one day a mom shows up frantic like her kid's sick. She doesn't know what's wrong. She has a little girl named Sally. It's appendicitis and the appendix is going to burst. So he cuts into her without anesthesia (gasps) and she ends up dying on the operating table. So that's legend, and that's where we would think that Sally came from, right? Yeah. Before Tony and Deborah got the house, Ethel Anderson lived there from 1958 to 1990. At one point, Ethel's daughter, Liz Johnson, and her kids lived in the house with Ethel, and a mysterious fire breaks out in the room that is now the nursery. Okay. Okay. They never figured out why. Then Colleen Humbard moved her and her children into the Sally house. And she said she often found her kids' toys all over the place, like all over the room. But she, of course, is like, just pick up your toys. And the little kid would be like, I didn't do that. Sally did. (gasps) 
That's fucking crazy, right? Ooh, wild. The fact that he named the same little person. Yep. So then enter Tony and Deborah into the scene lived there. Once they leave, the Fish family rents and lives in the house. And that's a mom with six kids. They are like, there's no paranormal activity. And there was even um, a TV show trying to document stuff about the house. Right. And they show up and they're like, we weren't allowed past the front room. And they act like it's really suspect. But really, I'm like, oh, yeah, they just don't want you in their house. I mean, they're paying rent. They don't, yeah. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Then the legit family. Legit family? Which is a legit family. They live in the house. Love that name for them. They live in the house for a few years. They were the last family to occupy the house. I read this in something that was published in 2017, so I'm not sure if someone's lived there since. But a film crew and psychic arrive while they're there. And again, they're only allowed in the front room. They deny paranormal activity. But then I read that the owner, Deborah says the owner of the property that was renting to them less, did a visit for maintenance and discovers a large pentagram on the basement floor and an altar Ah. And a black kettle and a black robe and just a bunch of weird, weird occult shit. stuff. Oh, weird. So he evicts the legits. Oh. Too legit to quit. Deborah's kids become friends with the legit grandkids. And they're like, there was totally paranormal activity in the house. Ghost Hunters goes to the house. And I watched... Yeah the episode you did and it was so good because they brought a psychic there a psychic girl can i tell you i wrote down this quote that she said because it's the best quote what was it they go to the basement and they're like holding she's with tony and debbie because they're like really into exploring this and they're so traumatized from their time there that they're like we have to go back with you so they're in the basement together and the girl is like oh my god it wanted me to know how black my darkest fear feels like. <laughs> this <laughs> It's a kid psychic. So forgive her, but kid psychic. But don't you love that quote? It wanted me to know how black my darkest fear feels like. That is something a kid would say. Tony <laughs> gets burned while they're there. <gasps> like feels a burn. Okay. It's so- very scary. Obviously, there's still a lot of activity in the house. What I then did to just round out this amazing research that I brought to you is that I went on this website called onlyinyourstate.com. Yeah. And they're talking about the Sally House and they wrote, you are awesome readers, had a few stories to share regarding your experiences in the Sally House. These are the, uh, the experiences. Ready? Love. I have been to Sally's house when a friend lived there. The curtains caught on fire in his bedroom. (laughs) No. Pass. Next. I have been to the Sally house. Never had anything bad happen to us physically, but have gotten some very interesting photos. Even one of who we believe is Sally. Okay. I'll allow that. I would call that something happening to you, but okay. Next. This is my favorite one. Ready? Ready. It's short but sweet. Been scratched at the Sally house. <laughs> so then I went on TripAdvisor 
And this is the review on TripAdvisor. This was my favorite of the reviews that I'm going to read to you. I stayed a night in Sally House with my husband. We had typical ghost hunting gear with us. Digital yes, you do. Rec- yes, you do. Digital recorders, cameras, EMF detector. Not much happened at first, and I thought maybe it would turn out to be a wasted trip, and all the lore surrounding the house was just hype. Well, that soon changed. I won't go into the details of what happened, but I will say that whatever is inside Sally House seemed to like my husband. But me? Not so much. And I wonder if it's because during one of our initial recordings, I took a little bit of an aggressive tone. I'm not sure if it was me being annoyed that nothing was happening or if it was a demon trying to possess my body. I am assuming the first, (laughs) but I like to stay (laughs) open-minded. That's so good, right? I love that she's like, like I was kind of being a bitch or was it demonic possession? I would be, and I think honestly, it was the latter. My husband was pissing me off, but I think it was Sally that was making it worse. Anyway, look, all right. If you're, she then she goes on to say, <laughs> so good. I'm going to use that one. Like, listen, I was being a huge bitch. Was it demonic possession? I'm not, I can't unclear. say. I cannot can't, be sure. I cannot confirm or deny because we just don't know. There's so much beyond our control. <laughs> If you're into the paranormal, stay at Sally House. It's worth it for the history alone, and more than likely you will end up having strange experiences when you least expect it. The only downside of staying there is sleeping on the floor. Gross. Why not turn it into a proper overnight stay? Also, we had several people come up to the house to try and get a look in while we were there. Awkward. Her review is bold. <laughs> we also had a little trouble with the reservation when booking. However, when we did manage to hook up with the tour guide, she was great. That Love is that. The best that's review a great ever. Review. And that, if that's not a TripAdvisor review, then I don't know what is. If that's not going to get you guys to want to go to the Sally House, I don't know I don't what know will. will. What else can we do here? <laughs> anyway, that's that's that's, that's a Sally House. Thank you for telling that story. I think I'm going to tell the story of, yeah. I'm gonna, as soon as I say the name of it, you're going to know. I got it from Wikipedia, Film Daily, Washington Post, Talk Murder, Murderpedia, Daily Mail, Slate, Patch.com. We're in Bethesda, Maryland. It's March 11th, 2011. The next day, guess what's coming out? iPad number two. Nice. It's morning. Manager of a Lululemon. You're doing the Lululemon murders? I'm doing the Lululemon murder. murder. Yeah. Do you know it well? Yes. I mean, you might know more than I did. I did, like, you know, we did Burke reports. Let's see. Lululemon. She's coming in. She's it's unlocking not her the door. It's her. She's it's a Lululemon. I don't know her name. She's a manager of Lululemon. She's coming in. She's opening up the store. The store is in disarray. There's blood everywhere. They open the back door. It's, like, jammed. She sees Jaina Murray, her legs. Jaina Murray is 30 years old. She's dead. Just a little bit about Jaina. She's a grad student. She's about to finish her second and her two master degrees. She's known as adventurous. She's loving. She's intelligent. She's kind. And as she walks further in, she's like freaking out, calling the police. And she sees Brittany Norwood, who's 29 years old, who's always happy, always smiling. Her dream is she wants to own a gym one day. And she's by the bathroom. 
she's alive. She has a bunch of superficial wounds, but she's alive. So they call the police. They take her to the hospital. Brittany is tied up with her hands and legs by the bathroom. Jaina, like I said, is dead. She was found with 331 wounds on her body from five different weapons, including head trauma, stab wounds. She was choked, strangled. Obviously, Brittany is the only one there. So they start to ask Brittany what's going on. So she said what happened was is the two of them closed the store the previous night She left, and then she left her wallet at the store, so she had to text her manager, Jaina, to open up the store. So the two of them went back to the store. Then two masked men, one tall, one short, came into the store, ransacked it, um, raped both of them. And the only reason Brittany said she survived is because they liked having sex with her more. I'm sorry, they liked raping her more. So that's why she survived and Jaina was killed. <sighs> At the scene of the crime, there is there are bloody footprints that are size 14 and they're all over the place. The men raped the women with a coat hanger, apparently. So immediately the police hear this report. They put out a reward for $150,000. They even find someone that matches the description of one of the um, perpetrators and tail that person. So Brittany is at the hospital. She's telling her friends and family and the police what's happened to her. But while she's telling the story, the police are like, something's not adding up. So like I said, when they saw her, she had superficial wounds. However, when they investigated the wounds further, they realized that the wounds were not, were like cleanly made. Which is like, and at the same depth of the wound. So like all of them were made while she was perfectly still. So there was no fighting back, which don't you think that someone would fight back? Definitely. Definitely. And then what happened was, is like, she said it was tall and short, but that was pretty much all of the information she gave. And if someone was that close to you, don't you think you'd like see eye color or like skin color or something that you'd have a little bit more information. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't have that. So... Another thing that wasn't adding up was Jaina's car. So while the police were also figuring out what was going on, they noticed Jaina's car was in a weird spot. So it was, by the time they found her car, it was like far away from the store, which according to Brittany's story, she would have texted Jaina to come into the store and Jaina would have brought her car closer to the store. Probably ideally, parked right outside. Probably pretty close. If it's late at night, no one's... I mean, they the, the store's not know. open. So the car was close. So what happened was is when the police found the car, there was inconsistencies there. They found Brittany's, not only her DNA in Jaina's car, which she has no reason to have been in that car. They also find a bloody hat. They also noticed some of the forensic evidence, right? Like the women actually weren't raped. There's no evidence of rape on the scene of the crime. And the shoes are the size 14 shoe prints are all around the floor of the store, but they do not leave the store. And in fact, the shoes that made the prints are found at the store. They not only originated, they are left there and they do not leave to the back alley. There's no escape. Oh, they're left there. So they find the they shoes. They find the shoes. They're not even... Got it. They're not even gone. Incredible. So the police are like, huh. So the person would have had to... Break in with no shoes or or take off their shoes, put on these other shoes, commit the crime, walk around, go back into the OG shoes Mm -hmm. and leave. 
which actually, if you're it's a criminal, actually, wouldn't really be that smart. bad an not, idea. Not bad at all. So this is when things start picking up speed of like, what's going on? Is she being honest? And they have to be super fucking careful because she's the victim here, right? Everybody knows that she's the victim. So they have to fucking tread lightly. Brittany is someone who has a tendency to steal things. Like there's reports of her stealing from coworkers, friends and family. Apparently she was a compulsive liar, but what was noteworthy is she has no criminal record before mm-hmm. this exact moment. At one point she stole a weave. And you might ask, how do you steal a weave? What happened was is she had it in her hair and she goes, oh no, someone stole my wallet. I can't pay for this. She left and she never paid for it. And that is how you steal a weave. Wow. I don't know if that implies murder, but like whatever. So at this point, things aren't matching up. They know that she's a liar. They know that she is a, she steals. They know there's things that are just, the evidence is not supporting the shoes that never left the place. It's just all looking like more and more of a staging. And so what happens is they bring her in and they know this DNA is there and they ask her about, you know, if she's been at the car or whatnot, or she has any reason to be in the car. And she's like, no. And they do this sneaky thing where they keep the interrogation door open so they can't, she has totally free to leave. There's no, there's no part of her that needs to stay and get a lawyer. So because they leave the door open, all of this is like allowed in court. They are acting like it's like casual. They're acting combo. like, hey, we just want to have a chat. We want to yeah, have yeah. a talk with you. No pressure. So she's like, great, great, great. So she leaves. She realizes that they probably have evidence that she's been in the that car. That she's been in the fucking car. So she comes back and she's like, bye bye, by the way, by the way, I I did move Jaina's car in the middle of the attack. I'm so sorry. Oh, I actually shit. it's interesting. I forgot she came in with her brother and her sister. And she was like, It's interesting, I forgot about this situation. What happened was in the middle of the attack, because they liked raping me more, they asked me to move Jaina's car. So I did. And the police were like, but you didn't escape. You didn't leave. And she's like, no, they knew my address. They were threatening me. I didn't want them to attack me. So I moved the car and then I went back to the scene instead of calling for help. Obviously. So they're just trying to get her as su- in, a, in a way that is seamless and is the most evidence. So then what they do is they bring in her brother and sister. Into the room she's in. They interview them separately. Got it. Which I don't know how they actually did that. I don't know how that happened, but maybe they were under the guise of like, we're helping your sister. We're going to find this guy. But they bring in his sibling, her siblings and they start showing her brother like evidence. And they're like, this has her saliva on it. The zip tie has her saliva on it. Like, what do you think? What do you think? And her brother's you like, your sister did that. Do you think your sister did Which I think is like a really aggressive thing to do, frankly. I don't love that. But... Chris, her brother, is like, yeah, that doesn't look good. So what they do is they put Chris alone in a room with Brittany. Oh, to hopefully have him be like, did you do this? Yeah, and he's like, there's no recording devices, but I think there was recording devices everywhere. Well, it's a police It's a police I mean, why wouldn't there be? So he's like, did you do this? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it here. (gasps) Not the answer you want. And she doesn't confirm or deny. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it here. And then her brother, even though there were recording devices around, he didn't think they could use that in court. So he felt like he was protected in a way, asking her these questions, which like, 
to me is kind of another level of cruelty, frankly, of like, Oh, that they kind of like use him, like used him as bait. Like I, like, I mean, they have to do, they have to do what they have to do. And she, what she did was horrible, but I can't imagine being the brother being like, Oh fuck. And in the recording, even he's like, you won't be able to use insanity as a defense because you've talked to counselors this whole time and they've thought you were like of sound mind. So even like when he's finding this information out, he's like, he knows he's like, you won't be able to, which again, like all that is usable in court, all that (sighs) is usable in the case. He also, this is so sad. He also tells Brittany how to lie better on the tapes. He's like, don't look down when you lie. Like he was like coaching her how to get out of there because he knows she did it. At he this knows point she did it. And then saying when it. the older another when his sister came in, he like told his sister that Brittany did it in the interrogation. And she doesn't dispute it or anything. All right, yeah. Well, that's it. Then. So it's pretty quickly. So seven days after, or six, yeah. yeah, seven days after the incident, Brittany's arrested. So all this happens in seven days. Like they find saliva on the zip ties, which I think is. Pretty fast. Am it's a, I wrong? It feels like a fast turnaround. Um, uh, it feels like a fast turnaround just mentally from viewing her as victim to viewing her as perpetrator. But it does sound like it sounds the evidence like they is were, pretty overwhelming that she did this. It sounds like totally. What it felt like to me is like they interviewed her. They didn't like her story to begin with. It raised red flags left and right. I think whenever you have a situation and we've seen it before where two people were supposed victims and one Survived. has been hurt killed on that such an aggressive level. Way. not just yeah. killed, but Maimed. that many wounds and the other one has some superficial scratches that always gets their attention. I think totally managers were trying to fire Brittany from Lululemon for a while but because it's a retail they need like airtight evidence that she is guilty of theft and so what happens is they're trying to fire her Jaina comes in that night Jaina's not even supposed to work like she wasn't even the scheduled manager she just was covering for a friend so Jaina comes in for and apparently she finds that Brittany had taken a pair of yoga pants and they're in her bag and they're in her bag now, what happens is, is she goes, okay, did you buy these? And Brittany's like, yeah, I bought them. So Jaina has to call another manager to confirm. And she's like, no, she didn't. I didn't buy them. So Jaina knows that Brittany has stolen these and yoga pants. And this is going to be like the straw that broke the camel's back for Brittany's job. They finally have evidence that she stole these pants. So the two of them leave. And Jaina, in the meantime, has already talked to other employees to confirm that these pants were stolen, that Brittany has stolen them, like, all of this has already been circulated. Brittany then, true to her story, texted Jaina saying she left her wallet in the store. Which to me is like, I don't want to get too ahead, but since you probably already know where this is going. What I think is noteworthy is like, she didn't, it wasn't a crime of passion in the moment. She left and then had her and Brittany come back. Brittany and Jaina came back to the store for this to happen. So the two of them leave. Brittany texts Jaina, hey, I left my wallet there. So Jaina's like, okay. So she opens up the store, lets Brittany in. We don't totally know what exactly happened. Jaina, Brittany lures Jaina back to the back of the store. 
and fucking, I don't know what happened, but goes off. Like I said before, 331 wounds, head, strangulation, stab wounds. Some of the smallest wounds are ballpoint pen size. What is she? And she's just using stuff she finds in the store to She's her. using tools. Like, there's an everyday tools kit. All of those. She's using mannequin posts. She's using... She's grabbing shit she's out of the store. She's just grabbing shit and going off. Something snapped. Something snapped so hard. Where it was life and death that she'd get fired from fucking Lululemon. What's even crazier, like I said before, Apple, they share a wall, and it they were releasing the iPad 2 the next morning, so, so they're all were the there store. late. There's video surveillance of the Apple employees no. hearing <gasps> Jana scream, oh God my. help me. God help me. They don't call the police. What? They do not call the police. Why? I don't know. What did they say? So the Apple employees hear everything. They don't call the police. They just said, as you said, it's drama. They're like, oh, I don't want to get involved. It's not my business. If you hear someone yelling, by the way, dear God, help me. Begging God for help. When you're in a fight with someone you work with or a friend or whoever, that is just not. So they leave. So what happens is, is Brittany kills poor Jaina, 30 years old, just about to finish her two master's degrees, had dreams of like marrying her PhD boyfriend. So young. So what she does, so fucking young. So Brittany decides to stage the scene of the crime. She walks around in the Lululemon shoe that they use for fittings, the size 14 men's shoes. She walks around in them. That's why they're still at the place. That's why they never left. Of course. She puts a bunch of superficial injuries on her own body, including a gash across her head. She uses zip ties to tie up her hands and her feet she tightens it with her mouth and they do a test on this zip ties and they find saliva. That's how they know she tied it with her mouth. So she tightens her hands. She tightens the feet with her mouth and she lays next to Jaina's body until the next morning. All night? All night. What kind? It's like, here's what's so crazy to me. Crime of passion. And I'm not, wouldn't excuse crime of passion, but obviously it's not a crime of passion. She texts her and plans this. To come back. To come back and do this. Then she does it in this crazy crime of passion way where it's really over the top. 331. Violent. Like you're fighting for your life. Never been that mad. Never been that scared. About vibe. yoga pants. About leggings. Then when it's over. You go, fuck. What do I do? But, like, the idea that you'd be like, I lie down next to the person I killed in their blood for hours. Like, something is wrong with her brain. Or I think people go through crazy mental gymnastics to stop from getting into trouble. Um, so she's found guilty. Brittany Norwood is found guilty of first-degree murder. The judge at the case obviously was incredibly disgusted by Brittany. How could you not be? He said he went home and he mimed stabbing something 331 times. And he said, you had enough fucking time to stop, but you didn't. 
Oh, yeah. In his sentencing, he also called out the Apple employees. Who listened and did nothing. He said, you have to live with that for the rest of your life. That you heard that and you didn't do anything. Because 300, just like she had time to stop, if they had called somebody, you don't know. She might have been very, very, very you don't know injured but it could have been the difference or you could have caught her in the act and you would have saved time and her family pain and had closure right away right it was like they heard someone screaming god what if they had just gone over they probably could have stopped forget calling for help if they had even just there's a few of them it's Mm -hmm. not one person so i know you don't want to get mixed up in other people's beeswax but if there's however many of you three of you let's say and you hop on over to the store and knock let's say they knocked that would have stopped something they could have saved her fucking life right right wow they do have to live with that i wonder how that's been for them i will say i just want to say because i didn't say it before jana's injuries were so horrible Ugh. That they couldn't even do an open casket at her funeral. Oh, that family. That at her sentencing, family. at her sentencing, her family speaks. Her boyfriend speaks. Also, I'm just amazed that there's. This is her first. I mean, the motive. She had no criminal record. Wild to me. Wild. This is what pushed her over the edge. What? I mean, the press of it was very much like it was the Lululemon murder, and it was a fight over yoga pants. I don't. It wasn't a fight over yoga pants. It was this girl was like, I'm going to lose my job and I'm... She snapped. And I, I want to open a gym and I, you're she screwing fucking with my snapped. plan. She like lied on her resume. She was a compulsive liar, but she fucking snapped. I think she saw her whole life and this was, I don't know. She snapped. I. It was premeditated. She's absolutely guilty. She does get life imprisonment without the possibility of her parole. Yeah. She does at the sentencing apologize to the family. Fucking too little, too late. The she cries when her brother gets on Brittany's cries when her brother gets on the stand and is like there's a part of my sister that was not tried today if you give her the possibility of parole you'll give our family hope that's all we're asking for nope. is just hope no I my heart hurts for his for their her family but for her oh my, my god heart absolutely hurts for her family but the thing is when you talk about possibility of parole and her getting chances to do things again in this lifetime or be with her family, Jaina right. doesn't get to be with her family. She doesn't get to do any And Jaina's family doesn't get to see her again. Exactly. She's tried to get an appeal. Appeal has been denied. She's currently at the Maryland Correctional Institution for Women. Um, an article I read on Slate... What was so interesting is it talked about this idea of, like, Brittany using this, like, random crime excuse. Like, it was just two masked men, one short, one tall. I picture, like, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, <laughs> That's past criminals are like Or, like, Home Alone-style criminals, right. right? It's like, one short, one tall. Yeah. Um, but the majority of crimes are perpetrated by someone you know. It's not, Mm. it's not the random. Well, it's also scary because it feels like she's, she's ready for someone else to take this heat if anyone fits that bill. Totally. Well, she's, I mean, at that point, she's just survival. There's, yeah, there, at that point, it's survival. And I can't even like, 
I can't imagine someone doing something like this and being like, yeah, it was me. I did it. She's just trying to fucking get out of there as unscathed as possible. Right. But she fucking went off on this poor woman, Jaina Murray, who had a life ahead of her, who had all the possibilities in the world. And this, and it, it's so scary because I've worked in retail before, right? It's like, it's what could happen to me. No, I'm saying it's like, I've worked in retail before where you're like. Haven't we all? Yeah, you feel like people who work there would be of like, especially Lululemon, right? Like Lululemon has this fucking like persona with it that you're, I, I can't, like there's no possibility that Gina would accuse Brittany of doing this and would think this would be the outcome. That's what's so fucking terrifying is like this snapping. That someone you work with at Lululemon's like, I left my wallet. Oh God. I just, and they murder you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's terrifying. That's so scary that something so little can set someone off and you die in a horrific, brutal way. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it is. It is so scary. It does feel as scary as when we read about crimes that are perpetrated randomly. It feels like it's a hair away from total random. Totally. Because it's the motive is so flimsy. And I think also, too, is we like... I think the part of the Slate article was like, we like it being random. We like not knowing. We like the story of not knowing who this person is. And I think we talk a lot about cases because they're well known when it's random or, you know. But I think because it's so uncomfortable to know that these people knew each other. It's so scary that someone in your life could snap like this in a way that you have to put yourself in Jaina's position and be like, I would have done the same thing. I would have not thought twice about entering that building with this woman I just worked with, a shift with. And like, there's no part of me that's like the idea that Jaina next Jaina did door everything to right. Store like you can kind of see people around. Like you're you're at a little. Do you know how expensive those fucking pants are? I can't. Did I leave anything out? I know you know this story. Um, Bethesda magazine. No, I didn't use that. Has. An article about what the Apple employees heard. <gasps> and they heard Jaina saying, talk to me. Don't do this. Talk to me. What's going on? And then they heard, God, help me. Please help me. And they thought about calling the cops. And the security guard was like, well, it's up to you. It sounds like they maybe had a security guard because it's an Apple store. Well. They had a fucking but they heard so well that they speculated that it was somebody hearing tragic news and the other person doesn't want to talk about it. So they're saying, like, God help me. Then a second security guard has been observing it and they hear crashing sounds that they think is just a merchandise display falling over. And then they say, and horsing around. Two women are in a Lululemon at night knocking over displays and horsing around the fact that it's the apple store and you know they have all that fucking security you know they have people there who are fucking can protecting those ipads but not those women Mm -hmm. exactly dark that's so intense so you knew the story but you didn't know about the apple employees i knew about the apple employees i just forget like Totally. It's one of those things where when this happened, I definitely was like, what? And then I haven't thought about it. But 
I do remember the car being very weird and that being what set them off where they were like, something's not right. Why were you in her car? I think they also just found out more about Brittany too. And they were like, wait a minute. And that she was like, you know what? I got to go back in and talk to you because I forgot a thing. And it's a really big detail to forget. It's like, oh, I also left the store while this crazy thing was taking place. And that's so gross that she's like, oh, they liked having sex with me. So they didn't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Even in her cover up. She was comparing the two of them and she was boosting her own fucking ego in a way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's why it's so dark. Oh, what a story. What a fucking story. Thanks for the help. Yeah. Um, Thanks for letting me help. Of course. I always take help. I never don't take help. I love that about you. (sighs) Who am I? We got no ego. We got no ego. ego, We have a huge ego. I have a huge ego. But I try to combat it anyway that's a story wow um god i need like a a bath yeah i feel i I do honestly i do see that i'm holding myself i know i'm so tense my (laughs) neck i'm like (laughs) yeah so intense oh what a sad story hey hey dear readers join patreon Here's the thing about Patreon, you guys. Here's the thing. It's so much fun. fun. I mean, it's just, it's... It's a good time. Are you picturing it fun? It's so fun. Because picture fun and then add fun on top of fun. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Am I selling this? You're fine. Here's the thing. We'd love it if you if you have a few extra dollars sitting around. By the way, we have a new Patreon subscriber we should shout out. Penny. Penny! Welcome. Love you, Penny. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being You're here. You're our lucky Penny. You're our lucky Penny. Here's the story. You guys need to join Patreon. Penny and the Jets. We're That's running the out of time. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a couple spots left, so get it while it's hot. Get Honestly, it while it's, it's going, hot. going, gone. Going, going, gone. If you are, if you have a little bit of extra money sitting around, when I say that, I mean like a jar of coins, that can get you a Patreon membership. Whatever happened, banks don't do that anymore. Remember when you were a kid and you could go to banks and you could exchange all your change for they cash money? It. They're like, we're why not don't doing they don't, that. Do, why don't they you do that anymore? You have to roll your own pennies. That's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. What do you mean you have to roll your own pennies? Well, they used to, like you said, it was like they would cash count it for you. There's yeah. not even a coin star anywhere no. near here. So if you have change, you're just in, you're up Shit's Creek. But you know what you can do with that change? What? Can you do a change? Roll when? it, count it, send it to us. It's you enough for Patreon. Us, I promise you. you. We've a... got a dollar a month subscriptions <laughs> and they're going like hotcakes. They're going to be gone soon. So what I <laughs> need you guys to do is join because here's the truth of the matter. It's not about getting the extra episodes. I say this every time. It's about supporting the podcast. So if you want to support this podcast, then we want to keep doing it. So let's work together as a team. Teamwork makes the dream work. And let's do this thing. Let's Let's fucking do this thing. Let's create a podcast together. Let's go. And later a baby. Okay. All right. 